Here we are with another podcast. Here I am with uh, Danny Tirado, myself, Brother Galen DaCosta, and we are here with a special guest that we have been looking forward to being with here today, and we finally got him into the podcast room. And uh, we are with uh, Bishop Larry Booker, um, our all-time favorite bishop, pastor, preacher, evangelist, and we are so glad that he's with us today. And uh, we look forward to a, just a, a great show and some upcoming ones. So say hello, Bishop Booker. <laughs> hello, everybody. And it is an honor to be here and to be with these good brethren and to be with all of you who are listening. God bless you all. And so today we have a, a few questions that we wanted to bring, with, uh, bring before Bishop Booker. And um, we're going to start off today with one that's somewhat of a hot topic, I think, uh, in the world we're living in today, and that is, uh, Bishop Booker, how do you feel that technology has affected the way in which pastors lead congregations? Well, to really answer that, when we say the word technology, we are thinking the last 10 to 15 years and the tsunami of modern technology and instant communications and internet and on and on and on. But Technology has been affecting congregations and the way that pastors pastor for a long, long time. I mean, simply when you think of the advent of automobiles and how that has affected people and their ability to attend church, churches from distance, uh, the mobility not only of saints, but the mobility of pastors modern travel that is gets pretty mind-boggling all of that has affected um, in in the uh, epistles where we were uh, told to if someone is sick to call for the elders of the church as James tells us um, what did it mean in those days for somebody to be sick and they would call they would have to send out message word of mouth walking, etc. to find the elder or elders of a church. And with the advent of a telephone, that changed tremendously. You have instant communication. I think it's affected how people, I, 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 in my mind, I picture people praying a whole lot more about their situations before they would instantly contact ministry uh, with a problem or a question. So, Technology has been affecting pastoral situations for a long, long time. Uh, but with our modern technology, um, it has it has it has greatly, greatly, greatly affected. And um, I, I'll go into this a little later, I believe, but. Because, uh, going to it in greater detail in a little bit, but because of modern technology, a pastor in the 21st century um, needs to catch a very tremendous revelation of the absolute power and desperate need of absolute power of truth and of grace in this hour. Um, and the thing about truth and the thing about God's grace, um, truth works with people who love truth. 
grace works with people that love God and appreciate and pretty well understand grace in order to allow it to work properly in their life. So when you have people sitting there with cell phones, some 10-year-olds or younger on up, and they may be checking out what you have to say <laughs> on their phone, uh, there has to be an arresting grip of scriptural and even historical, uh, if need be scientific, whatever, truth that is coming out of that pulpit with a grace and an anointing. Because there's a lot of voices in this world. The Apostle John said that a long, long, long time ago. But now those voices can get around the world so quickly and with so much greater, um, lack of a better word, freedom, uh, be it a truth or be it a lie, that for a pastor in dealing with individuals the grace of God that needs to be upon him and a congregation, upon teaching, preaching, counseling, etc. There is grace and strength that is stronger than any internet website, etc., etc., etc. And then, on a on a real strong positive, while modern technology and what what a minister can do just with a Bible program. Uh, PC Bible program, and we could name a host of them. Uh, modern technology has made it so much easier for us to study that there really is no excuse. Uh, but along with that, others can study as well. So technology makes us study, which is needed. And so it does It does affect, and, that, and that's just a couple of thoughts of a subject that's pretty vast, actually. Yeah, you're right. It's actually, it is vast, but uh, there's no excuse for not studying out. No excuse anymore. That's exactly right. Because I have seen those fact checkers. Oh, yes. <laughs> in service. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I've heard some things that needed to be fact checked. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But God is good. Um I want to connect this one on. It's a great segue into the next one, which is... Uh, has the internet and social media affected your ministry personally? And if so, can you give us an example? Uh, yes, it absolutely has. The name's in ways already attested to. But um, in going back to previous statement, one of the things that a person has to do is be more careful to be more exact in facts and details that they're giving. Now, when you think about technology in the advent of the computer and where it's at today, um, it is to our generation only much more quickly. It is what the Gutenberg Press was in its day in 1454, depending on who you're reading historically, the year the press actually came out. Prior to Gutenberg's press, only academia, scholars, or clergy, which came uh, forth from, uh, from Catholicism, had access to study materials, many times, of course, even books themselves, uh, the Bible itself, etc. And so 
the populace was in very extremely large part when it came to anything scholastic or biblical, they were ignorant. And when the Gutenberg Press came out, that began to change all of that. Within 50 years, Europe had 300 presses. They were slow. Compared to today, they were hideously slow. But compared to what had been before, they were like lightning. But there was 300 presses scattered throughout Europe, and they are working almost nonstop, bringing books and they, store, of course, started out with the Bible. Well, at first, only only very wealthy people could afford to buy the Bible. And then, as time went on with all of these other presses at work, they began to print other materials. And then, as time went on, they were able to work it to where they could shrink down the size of the lettering until uh, major books, i.e. even the Bible, when it got down to the size that you could fit it into a saddlebag, it was changing the world. Because now, uh, upper middle class people and then middle class people, if they saved their pennies, could have access to reading material that they could hide easily, including the Bible, which they many were not even supposed to have. And so... When it got down to that size, they could afford them, and they could hide them, and they could read them or learn to read. Um, then you got into the um, the um, when 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 the Byzantine uh, Greek Orthodox priest uh, fled Constantinople, and they ended up down in in um, uh, Lower Europe. They they brought with them the writings of Aristotle, Plato, etc. So then those things began to be printed, and that began to change the way people looked at so many things about government. The Bible changed the way people looked at at church and at what they had been told, and so um, it 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 has um, affected. The whole world. Well, now this is the internet day, and I, as I said before, you may have ten-year-olds and younger, and other folks out there. They have a computer in their hand, and they can they can Google facts that are put out. And I've and I give ministerial seminars, and and often I have told ministers, I said, "Have mercy." I, I said, "If nothing else, the least you can do is check a fact with WikiLeaks." Don't just throw stuff out there that comes to you from the ether, and you and you and 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 some fact because you're going to get your hand called on it, and if you don't get your hand called on it, it is going to bring into question your credibility, oh, yeah. and so people don't need that. And as a minister, you certainly do not need that. Um, I repeat, technology. How uh, another thing that it does is that. Everything is a two-edged sword, um, and and truth can get out so much more rapidly. Well, lies, it has been said for decades and decades and decades that a lie will go around the earth twice while truth's getting its boots on. Now with um, instant um, internet, etc., a lie can go around the earth 50 times before truth is even turned on the computer. 
and um, so um, it 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 affects things. It does affect things. However, um, it it it's kind of gratifying uh, to me, and I know to others that as you go and you travel, um, I've had many people come up to me and they'll make mention of a certain sermon that I preached, and sometimes I don't even remember the sermon, and as they speak, it comes back to me, but how it affected them, etc. And that's very, very moving, and that would have been impossible without the advent of, of modern technology, and then it's more than just cassette tapes, and now it's it's more than just CDs. It's instantly catching it over the over the uh, airwaves uh, of modern technology. So so it's all all very, very, very amazing, and it makes you stop and think and consider and hopefully pray and, again, get it down right before it comes out of your mouth. Yeah, that that's well said, Bishop. Well, well put together, well thought out, because um, I wouldn't have put together that Gutenberg Bible, but uh, – that it's as if like as the bible says there's no new thing and this internet is yes just another revolution of of how it goes and so it is a revolution it is and so with that um moving into our next question you know this one always comes up and at first when i saw it i thought you know what we always ask this however as you've just stated compare and contrast the internet to television well, I think that if you were the, – the best ways that I know of is, is you consider the word and the medium of television. That's a broad, wide world. And um, not everything that comes forth on it is, of course, bad. We know that certainly a whole, whole bunch that comes forth on it is not good at all. But regardless of that, regardless of that, if you took the entire concept of uh, television, and let's throw in the word Hollywood with that, because it's they are not kissing cousins, they're twin brothers and sisters. Um and you boil it down into its bottom line essence, and you had to come up with one word, that word would be entertainment. That is what it is there for. Now, I will say that I feel like it's entertainment with an agenda. It has a real, for real agenda, and it's not good. It's definitely not pro-Christian. It's not pro-righteousness. It's not pro-truth. It's not, it's, it's not pro-common sense. Uh, but it's 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 wrapped up and boiled down. It's it's an entertainment with an agenda. But that's the word entertainment. If you look at uh, the world of internet, and it is a world. It's it's it, it is as well a vast world, and and certainly not all of it's good, and certainly not all of it's bad. But if you boiled it down to its essence, and you had to put it into one word. That word would be information. And so it's a difference between entertainment and information. I think it's entertainment with, an, with agendas. And I think that it is information with a million agendas. 
And that's what you have to say about internet. There's, there's a million agendas out there with it, but it is information. And so I look at the two. Uh, let's say you're sitting there and there's a television to your left and internet um, computer access to your right. If you were to compare those to dining tables um, with food on each side, one of the main things about television is that, yes, you can turn it on and off, and yes, you can change the channel, but they are going to feed you. Um, you don't touch the knife and the fork and the spoon. They, they pick it up. They put it to your lips. Once you're, once you're watching it, they're feeding you what they want you to have. Um, internet, uh, foods are there on the table but you eat what you want to eat. You you go where you want to go for the reasons that you want to go there. And I know that's quasi-gross oversimplification, but I think it's pretty interesting that, uh, such as the nation of China, and though Russia is today not the Soviet Union, Russia is still Russia. It's still a strongly mind-controlled nation. And both China and Russia are very, the governments are very big on television. Yeah. But they're not big on internet. They are not comfortable with their people having internet. They're working continually to control internet uh, in every way possible because they can control television what people see they put them they put before them what they want them to have internet is a different animal and even russia and china know that so they're very pro television because they can control it and they're not pro internet because they they can't and do not control it now who knows what the future holds for who will eventually how all where all with all control the internet um, having said that Another thing, too, about the bad that is on Internet. Of course there's bad that's on Internet. Uh, hideously bad. Uh, uh, can a person get in trouble? Yes, I think a person can absolutely destroy themselves with Internet. At the same time, and this is not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, uh, pushing Internet. I'm just trying to be as factual here as I can. Um, if you go to a Carnegie library or any library in any city, just a library, just dealing with books, books, just if it was the library, just a, of books, you can get in trouble in a library. If nothing else, if a person has a bent and they want to get sick, they could go to the medical section and, and of a library and, and get just about as sick as they wanted to. Uh, and there's, and there's other areas and authors and on and on and on and on and on. So, um, this is where the gospel truth, love of truth, embracing of holiness and letting holiness embrace you. And the grace of God, and one of the best definitions of grace I know is grace is the ability to do the will of God. He's the enabler that he can help us. Everyone has a conscience. Well, the Holy Ghost and good 
faithful attendance to the house of God, to the church of God, uh, to good, solid uh, preaching and prayer, uh, Bible reading, these help annuate a person's conscience and strengthen their will um, to be strong and to be overcomers in the midst of this of of this world. And again, as far as the good information that is on internet and the the um, connectivity that is capable throughout the world. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So I would just venture to say that's, in my mind, the two main differences between those two mediums. Well put. I want to get back to uh, the previous question for just an example, because, uh, or, or for just a moment, because we kind of didn't really talk about social media to a degree other than the fact that that does connect a lot of people. Um, has it helped? Has it hindered? Do people spend, well, people can spend an inordinate amount of time on anything. Uh, but as you've seen some of these things happen across the country, what say you about social media specifically? Well, this is what I, I, I uh, this is my little general rule of thumb about social media is, number one, a person must needs do every single thing that they can, not only to protect themselves and their household, because um, the seas of social media, there are predators that are swimming through those waters. There are crazy people swimming those waters. Um, they do have social medias um, set up now where uh, you can absolutely delete or block, uh, allow only those that, that um, if it's Facebook or whatever, to, to be in your feed, things of that nature. Um, as for the basic premise of social media and the question you're asking, you know, this sounds harsh and God forgive me, but uh, people... Uh, are usually um, smart or stupid. And um, they either use wisdom or they don't use wisdom at all. And what happens with social media is that if they're smart or they're wise or whatever, their the knowledge or wisdom or whatever can expand far beyond them into a much broader forum. If someone is not wise, or they uh, forgive the goes <laughs> stupid, then everybody's going to know about it. So they project themselves. The media is is ability to project, and so and so, it, you know, if somebody's goofy, the whole world's going to know. If somebody's wise, the whole world's going to know. If somebody, uh, and and the thing about it, if you get into that realm, you're going to be dissected. I mean, look at political figures. They cannot, any sentence they make, the higher they are in the echelons of government, be it the United States or Britain or any other government, the higher they go up in the echelons of, of quote-unquote power, however fleeting that is, but their statements are dissected a thousand ways from Sunday by every pundit, every 
every uh, person on how they view life, they read into what that person is saying. So I would just venture to say that if someone, they, e they, they either need to make sure they are in contact with people that understand them and are merciful to them uh, and willing to be lenient with them. And, um, and if they're not, and they're just going to throw out their thoughts to the whole wide world, then they, 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 they do well to very carefully, prayerfully choose their words, etc., because it's a magnification. It's a magnification of whatever is actually there. Yeah, it is. I'm not on uh, most social media. Just recently signed up for an Instagram account, and the reason I did is because uh, Brother Platania is going to Italy, and I really wanted to see missionary work yes. and so that's to me that's one of the great uses i hope that there are many missionaries uh, i'd like to follow them and i hope they will put out things that are going on to keep us abreast keep us praying for them keep them on our keep them on our on our hearts i agree and so there's a there's a good use as you say but the other thing is i just don't see how people have the time <laughs> exactly if if um let's say someone is a missionary uh it wouldn't be wise to post that they're taking 15 vacations per month. <laughs> That's not going to help. But if they if they if they if they're able in the country they're working in, some countries you can't. Some countries are so controlled you can't post a picture of people you're even working with. Um, but if all all things being equal, if they can post pictures of baptisms and yeah, Bible okay. studies right. and things like that, it's ex it's very, very, very exciting. Yeah, it's beautiful. Is. Yes, absolutely. Great, great. Well put. Moving forward, um, we're going to move on. This is a, a lot of people like to ask this question. Um, I'll be honest, this isn't my favorite one. I think there's a lot to it. But how does someone know they are being called of God? Well... Uh, it is a great question. Uh, when I hear something along that line, okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> I, no, I personally, uh, I, I think I th the first thing comes to my mind is ministry, i.e., quote unquote, pulpit ministry. That's the first connotation that comes to my mind. Even that has a lot of delineations of is it a pastoral is it evangelistic is it a help is it is it is it is it is it assisting etc etc so ministry uh, even pulpit ministry has its has its uh, breakdowns then you get into apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers um, then ministry just in a sense of ministering to others. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word ministry in a big, broad, wide sweep, meaning a person feels the call, the tug of God in their life to an extent that they feel that this is their life work and they are pulled into it, uh, let's say, full-time or or this is the single main effort of their life to be spent for the purpose of bringing people into the kingdom of God, helping people, establishing people, ministering to people, helping them to make it on into glory. 
whatever aspect that takes. Uh, now, my personal rule of thumb when it comes to, say, pulpit ministry, they're going to be preaching, teaching the Word of God, and, of course, everything that comes with that. And it's by no means just standing up in a pulpit two, three times a week or once or twice or whatever. But if you're going, if you're feeling tugs, strong pulls into that direction, where we're talking that this is going to be full-time, I know I know, I can be a blessing there. I, I've got thoughts, feelings, etc., but but where I know it's going to be pastoral or full-time evangelistic or be a missionary, my rule of thumb is I think it needs to go with it to that degree. That call, that tug, that pull needs to be so strong that a person feels like if I don't do this, I'm going to be lost. It's, it's this is almost heaven or hell with me. I, if I'm going, if I don't go out there and walk on those seas and those waters, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be lost. Or if they look down the road and they think about their life, but they, and they cannot imagine themselves doing anything else. If they can't imagine themselves doing anything else, then they, they probably ought not to say, okay, I'm going to have a, a, a full-time pulpit ministry wherever, whatever that realm takes me. Now, I think that a person can be employed by others, self-employed, have businesses, or do whatever, and be an unbelievable blessing and God only knows how many different ways in the kingdom of God to souls, to preaching, teaching, establishing, mentoring, uh, ministering, on and on and on and on and on. Um, I don't think, I think everybody in actuality, to some degree, God wants everybody involved in ministering. Everybody, uh, it's part of being part of his body, and um, you know we're hard pressed to say of a human body what part of a human body doesn't take care of every portion of the human body. It is a package deal, and say, well, I don't know what my ear does. Well, cut it off and find out. <laughs> you know, you you're going to protect it. It's there for a purpose. God put it there for a purpose, and God puts every everyone in a church. He places them in there for a purpose. But to go into uh, active, eventually even full-time total ministry, it needs to be a very deep personal call that you know this is my life's reason for my existence is to do this. And when I um, came to God, this is not the time or the place, but anyway— uh, God dealt with me many, many years about being saved, being better than I was. But um, I remember the night, I'll just suffice it to say, I remember the night that I knew I had had intimations, I have had, I had tugs, I had feelings, 
But the night I absolutely knew my life was to be spent in basically delving into swimming the waters and delivering the word of God to men and women and helping. Uh, I was sitting in a church service. I was at a very low ebb, but my Bible was open on my lap. My pastor was preaching, and I'm looking at my Bible. It was open to Psalms, and I'd give anything if I could remember what verses. But I, I felt like I was like I just leaped off some high diving board and was in slow motion, falling, 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 down, 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 into the pages and the warp and woof of that book. It was, it was a spiritual, emotional experience, and I knew that moment my life would be spent uh, doing that. Now, with other people, it happens differently. Um, that's just my little rules of thumb there. Okay, and so right after that, is a lot of that in your book, Journey of a Lifetime? I, I've, I've read it. I just can't remember some of the specifics. Um, I, I think I get into that a little bit. Okay. Uh, and if I didn't, when I go into, the, into uh, the rest of the journey, which my wife is pressing me hard, and I actually got started on it, but this premier Bible, I was working on three books, and the premier Bible study got me uh, sidetracked on all of it, but I'm going to go back. Okay. And I am going That's to, exciting. But I am going to go into that at pretty great depth. Oh, great. Okay. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. That that just sounds great. Okay. Um, and let's, and just so, just so I can clear my own conscience, it's not that I, I think, I know me, you just get involved in the church and do whatever as occasion serves and exactly. you'll get marched in the direction you need to go. That's very good. And it's true. Yeah. And because I've, I've seen some people just get hung up. I've watched them get hung up and because they didn't feel like they were doing what they thought they should do, they spun out. Yes. And, and it's like, they felt like if I'm not evil Knievel <laughs> leaping this, this great snake Canyon. Well, meanwhile, there's a ditch next to him, and some poor guy's falling in his ditch, and they're thinking, "I got to jump Snake Canyon." When there's somebody next to him that needs help, yeah. And so, well put. Uh, don't miss the opportunities that are around us everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Make foolproof. All right, moving on. Um, this is a a question people want to know about or have some inkling about, without getting too political, because we know that you can lose your uh, tax exempt status. Uh, what are your thoughts about current issues in today's world? And also, what does the Bible have to say about these issues? And I didn't name a specific issue because of the very reason uh, for that whole uh, tax exempt status. I didn't want to see, you know. Yeah, that's no problem. And I'll tell you, uh, if a person just preaches the Bible, um, it covers all the issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It covers all the issues. Uh, when it comes uh, to where we're at today, I, I would venture to say Luke 21, Matthew 24, as well as portions of the epistles, they deal with so much. You look at our day, okay? Matthew 24 talks yeah. about great deception. Oh, <laughs> talks about people coming in his name saying, I am Christ. Well, we got that. 
He'd said there would be wars and rumors of wars, nations against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He spoke of famines, pestilences, earthquakes in many places, sorrows, persecution of Christians, being delivered up, afflicted, Happening. killed, hated for his namesake. Um, these things are very much alive and well in our world. He said many would be offended. There'd be much betrayal. There'd be much hatred. There'd be false prophets. Iniquity would be abounding. Love of many people waxing cold. Paul talked about the last days being perilous. Lovers, people be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bo proud, boasters, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Uh, this is talking about men and women. Uh, without having natural, normal, um, biblical affections, husbands and wives, etc. Truce breakers, false accusers, people be incontinent, fierce, despisers of good people. Just if someone's good, that's enough for people to hate them. Traitors and heady and high-minded. There would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Then there would be people that said they have a form of godliness. They deny the power. So we were told to, from such, turn away. They also warned about men that would be ever learning, and yet for all of their learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, you know, welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> and so this is this is the church's hour. When Jesus gave us that, when the apostles gave us that through the Spirit of Christ, they foresaw through a glass darkly the world we're living in today. It's it's on the left hand and on the right. So as for us being political, uh, we're not called here to be uh, politicians. And we're not called here to change nations. We're called here to change hearts, to change lives, and to change people's eternal destinies. I do think that we should vote. I think that uh, in our best day, uh, we're voting for the lessers of evils. And um, uh, if for some reason a person feels like they absolutely cannot vote for either one, I understand that. But we are called, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be great voters. That's not, <laughs> that's not what he said. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. What we're called and empowered to do is to evangelize. And, and I, I really do think that for me, and I'm not eschatology, study of future things, the book of Revelation fascinates me, but I do not consider myself anywhere near being any kind of an expert on the book of Revelation. I have far more questions than I do answers. I think if you boil down the book of Revelation into two words, it would be, be ready. Be ready. I think that's what it's screaming. But to me, the most powerful verse, and I'm saying this literally, I really mean this, in all of the book of Revelation, as far as the church is concerned, is Revelation 18.4, where he said, Come out of her, my people, and be ye separate, that ye be not partaker of her plagues. Uh, however you do your eschatological outlook and views, the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation is almost the end of the book. And 
way down in the 18th chapter, he has a message to people that are in this great harlot church or daughters. And he says, come out, come out, be ye separate that you do not be partaker. And it's like Paul told Corinth, I have much people in this city. They weren't come out yet, but you preach to them. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee. I have much people in the city. And those people came out. And, and, and Corinth for all of its problems was a great powerful church. And, um, and so in these last days, I believe it is our hour. And there are, denominationally speaking, there are hungry people. And there are people that know there's more than what they're getting and what they've got. And they, they see what's happening to their denominations and their hearts sick. And God only knows how he's going to do it. But I do believe there is going to be a, an absolute revival of the name the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is outpourings of his spirit taking place. I believe there'll be outpourings of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and people being baptized and the sincerity of heart will bring men to come forth and walk and go out of darkness into his marvelous light in every degree. So that's, we can't be sidetracked. Uh, by events and so caught up in them that we despair for our nation. In fact, I'm, this may be another podcast somewhere, someplace, sometime, but I think the scripture takes great pains to let his people know that when you are born again in the kingdom of God, you take on a new citizenship. Now we pay our taxes. I'm American. I love it. But our first allegiance and citizenship is to the kingdom of God. That's number one. So that's You're not a, suggesting that's I a, don't pay my taxes. I pay my tithe. No. <laughs> yeah, I should pay my tithe first. Uh, yes. <laughs> when, and and when, when they came to Jesus via Peter and said, does your master pay taxes or not? He said, well, I, 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 <laughs> well, Jesus in the spirit overheard the conversation. He addressed Simon. And this is interesting. He said, Simon, who pays taxes, the children or or basically the foreigners? And there was a custom in those days that if that that you foreigners in a country would be the ones that would oftentimes be taxed. But he said this, the children are free, right? And he said, yeah. He said, nevertheless, lest we offend them, you go catch a fish. And, you, and so his point is, he wanted to establish in Simon Peter, Simon, you are a citizen of another country, but listen to me. You pay your taxes, and I'm going to help you pay your taxes, and this is what you do. And I've literally pointed to that scripture before when I had to pay taxes and said, God, <laughs> I'm going to continue your work. I'm going to be catching fish. I'm going to go forth and be a fisher of men, and you're going to help me with my taxes. And he miraculously helped me. So, yes, we pay our taxes. We <laughs> render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but we render unto God that which is God's. <laughs> okay. That's great. That's right. Lest they come knocking at your door. That's right. How involved, uh, adding on to that question, how involved should we in the church be in national politics? Should I? Should I go protest? Should I hold signs? Should I— give money to certain causes and agendas? Well, that, that, is, that is a great question. And the, and the answer has to be, i.e., the issue 
i.e. degrees of involvement, etc. And there are different schools of thought, even amongst, of course, uh, one God apostolics. I go back to this, okay, that changing the lives of an individual is of the utmost importance, okay? If you will see the Apostle Paul uh, wrote of saints in Caesar's household and and Paul eventually went to Rome. He told the Christians at Rome, I want to come, that I can impart to you some spiritual gift. And so Nero, as wicked and vile as he was, there were Christians in his household. Okay? The greatest thing they could do. If I was a lost Roman citizen, and I knew I was going to heaven or I knew I was going to hell. Would I rather see a Christian holding a placard or would I have a, rather see a Christian holding a Bible giving me a Bible study? I would rather a Christian show me how to be saved. Um, and, and, and yes, I think this is the reason why we should vote for candidates that um, ostensibly are for the right things, etc. Um, maybe even if a guy wants to support certain candidates, that's up to them. But be that as it may, the main thing has always got to be kept the main thing. And I'll give you a couple of verses on that. Okay, The apostle Paul said, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that those that were married as though they were not, those that possessed as though they possessed not. Those that use this world as abusing it as though they used it not. His point is, eternity is so long, and this life looking back is so short that even if we had a 75th wedding anniversary, somewhere along the line, we're going to look back and say, was I married? Did did I? And certainly, be. you mean, did, did I have a Ford or a Chevy? I mean, uh, was it a three-bedroom or four-bedroom? It's, it's, those things are so immaterial compared to the eternal world that we're heading. So um, I just, uh, there were a lot of causes back in the apostles' days. There were a lot of causes. You know, Simon was a zealot, Simon the zealot. But when he got converted, I think he put the signs down. Hmm. And, and, and left the political party and said, for me and my house, now I've got a kingdom worth dying for. So that's my outlook, and there are others that differ, but but um, I, I just, I lean that the greatest service we can ever do anybody is get the truth to them. Good point. I did read a piece about, I didn't connect that until you just said it, but there was a lot of political issues going on at the a time of the of, church. We just, when we read our Bibles, we just don't see, we don't. They didn't deal with them. No, didn't they, deal with them. Because this is they, what you should be doing, sticking yeah. to the main thing. This is the, this is the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Great. Outstanding. Okay, moving into this um, uh, hmm. next question regarding personal devotion. How would you define personal devotion? 
And then could you give us an example of what you do in your own personal devotion? You know, um, I think I think that question, the, the key, the key phrase is personal. Personal devotion. That means what is my devotion? How does that affect me? What do I do? And then the next word, devotion. So it's personal devotion. So what are we devoted to? Well, Jesus lets us know. And, and even back from, from Moses coming down from Sinai, the first greatest devotion we must have is, is um, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. On another occasion, it's heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's always first your heart, then it's your soul, your being. And then your your mind may be possibly stronger than your body, or your body may be more actively strong than your mind. Whatever's the next strongest thing about you needs to be devoted to God. And um, so we know we must be devoted to our families. If a man doesn't take care of his family, he's, he's considered worse than an infidel. So, of course, we have to be devoted to the welfare of our, of our family, etc. But so for me personally, my devotion, um, how does my devotion play out uh, in my daily works? How does it play out in hobbies? Uh bottom line, however, however one reads that, it's got to be, I can't give myself to anything that's counterproductive to God and his plan for my life. I, I, I have to keep him first, okay? That, that What that means is I don't keep him first to the neglect of my family. The more you love God, the more you love your family. The more you love God, the more you love other people. So uh, he does. He's not for us going into monasteries and and just and just here I am, God. He wants us to live out our life and and to and to and to help uh, people. As for like uh, the the second part of the question, by way of devotions, um. Now, I know what it is to pastor church and and to work a um, job in order to keep the doors open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, now, by the mercies of God, now I'm I'm into the realm uh, where uh, Pastor Joel Booker is is uh, carrying. A big part of the burden, the vast part of the burden of this church, the day-to-day items, a lot of the counseling, things of that nature on his shoulders. So very fortunately, I'm in the stage of life where um, I have more, quote-unquote, time to myself. Now, sometimes travels and and um, duties elsewhere necessitate a lot of busyness. Be all that said as said, and be as it may. My general rule of thumb is that I want to give my mornings to God, and I wasn't always able to do that, but now that I am by the mercies of God, my mornings I want to give to God. 
I try not to do anything unless it's maybe emails or, or answer texts or make some phone calls before noon. Um, as for getting out and about, I try to keep that till after 12 o'clock so that my mornings, I always start out with the Word of God. I don't want to read or listen uh, to anything unless it's been the Word of God first. Chapters, perhaps several chapters, I just, I, it, it, it needs to be, I want it to be. Um, and when it comes to, to praying, I don't think enough can be said about how important prayer is. Depending what's going on in my house, I may pray in my bedroom. If there's a lot of activity out there, uh, I will stay in my bedroom and pray. If, if there's not a lot of activity out there, I have a, uh, a rocker out there that I put in, that I scoot into the middle of the dining room and, and, and I love to be there and, and, and pray. But when it comes to personal devotions, uh, the, I look at that as like a fire in the fireplace. Okay, it's it's blazing. It's nice. It's cozy. It's warm. It's ah, so nice. It's cold outside. Whatever. Well, um, after a while, that fire is going to begin to dim, and you got to get a poker and you got to turn the logs. You you got to stoke them up. Maybe you got to throw another piece of wood on there. And I have found that that even methods of study. You know the Jews talk about study being. They they uh, they said there's horizontal and vertical study. Horizontal study is on a plane. And maybe that's where you just read as much as you can on a given time. All right, or maybe. But then horizontal study that's straight up and down. Maybe that's where you get a certain verse or a certain subject, and you study that one certain subject, and you drill and drill and drill, and you go as deep as you can in that. And and either way you go, after a while you got to change your methods. At least I do, because you get used to a certain method. And humanity being what it is, you start to get a little bored, and the fire will start to dim. You got to do. You got to turn the logs. You got to. You got to. And so I'll change a method of study, and uh, in order to 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 stoke that fire and get the. Uh, excitement or impetus going again and even on prayer i will never forget something i heard brother wayne mclean state and god knows he was a praying man and a spiritual man and he said he told me that somebody asked him how much does person how much does a person have to pray every day and he said, that's almost impossible to say. Now, Jesus said, could you not watch with me one hour? I think that's a rule of thumb that would be very nice, very good, if it's at all possible. Okay? But Brother McLean made this statement. He said, you know, should a guy take a bath every day? <laughs> well, it sure be nice, and it sure helps. He said, but sometimes you're pressed, and so you, it's, a, it's a quick shower. Sometimes you're in a shower for 15 minutes, and sometimes you're in a shower for five, sometimes for three. And he said, but then he said, sometimes you draw a big old hot tub of bath water. And he said, you're in there for 30 minutes. And other times you're in there for three and four hours. Well put. And said, you scrub between your toenails. And he said, prayer is like that. He said, man, get a shower every second that you possibly can. 
and and don't don't hesitate to jump into the shower prayer and stay there as long as you can. But there needs to be days and times or nights at the church or in your home by yourself when everybody's in bed when you just get in the tub and you soak and soak and shrivel soak up huh and shrivel up you get out looking <laughs> like a prune yeah and That's you just great. you just you just pray so i i think um you know and 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 I, god is good he's awesome i've had some beautiful unbelievable prayer meetings while driving i i really have I haven't had near as many wonderful prayer meetings driving as I have had in churches, but still it can happen. I've had good prayer meetings on airplanes, literally, where God was just there. Now, I'm not going to tell you he started shouting or <laughs> anything else, but it was there. And um, and so, and personally, I don't think that there's anything that is sweet as praying in the house of God. I, I love it. Sometimes, though, you know— People are glad to see you, and so you get in conversations, and that's why I have my little prayer deal back in that corner. But after a while, people know where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. That's great. I personal devotion turned out to be a lot broader the way you brought it out than I would have thought. I thought it was just you know the three hours you spend in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. really it's a life. It's it a is. life. It man. is. It is it's your life. entire life. That's great. That is great. Okay. Other than moving into books, other than the Bible, what are some of your favorite books? And then I'm going to follow that up with which books would you do you like to give as gifts to others? Which of those books? Well, um, that's always a little tricky because um, I don't I don't recommend too many books to people. Uh, I'll tell you, a, a great book uh, is called Out of the Flames. And Out of the Flames is a book about Michael Servetus and the authors. It's a man and his wife, and I would think that the last name is Goldstein. But the book is Out of the Flames. And as far as, um, in fact, when I was talking about the Gutenberg Bible and the printing presses, just his chapter on that is where I got most of that. And and just what Goldstein does on Gutenberg's Bible, just that part is worth the whole entire book. But when he gets into Michael Servetus and his eventual being burned to death uh, by John Calvin, and his crime was that he believed Jesus was God. He did not believe in a in the Trinity or Triunity. And um, he died in the 1540s, I think, if my memory serves me right. But be that as it may, that that is a book that I would recommend to, to anybody that is up of age where they've got um, ability to stop and really, 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 really think. Other books that mean a lot to me, there's a book called Certain People of the Book by Maurice Samuels. It's the only religious book, to my knowledge, that Marie Samuels ever wrote. He was Jewish. And it's a vignette. It's a book of vignettes of various characters of the Bible. And that is it's hard to find. It can be found. But it's, 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 a, it's a tremendous book. A book that has got um, is, uh, called The Source by James Missioner. It's a ah, history yeah. of the Jews. Read that one. That's great. And uh, until you get past the... Um, 
resurrection, actually until you get out of the New Testament, you get to get past the New Testament, then it's very good. The history of the Jewish peoples from there on is fascinating. What He's like many an author. He takes great liberties with Old Testament and, and New Testament, and that's infuriating. <laughs> um, but but when he gets past that and he's just dealing with the history of the, of the Jews from the time of Jesus to the present day, it is very, very, very fascinating. And I went through that book, I think, three or four times. Another book that is good for modern Israel hist- historic value is called Exodus by Leon Uris. It is a tremendous book. That's about the only book of his that I can really recommend because, as like many writers, the further longer he kept writing and the more popular he became, the more vulgar he became. But but Exodus by Leon Uris, that just on its own is a very, very good book. And, uh, uh, and a book, now this is a tome. This is a tome. And I'm going to confess to you, I did not read this book. I listened to it. I listened to the book, and it was over 63 or 4 hours of solid listening. It's the unabridged version of La Miserable by oh. Victor Hugo. And if somebody saw the play or listened to... Uh, yeah, they have a, an audio... It's, a, it's an abridged. Yes. Yeah. And the one that they put out out of Colorado Springs, uh, Dr. Yeah. Dobson. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I can't think of uh, what it, what that group is. Focus but on the family. Focus on the family, La Miserable, is very, very good. It's I mean, good if that don't touch your heart, you don't have a heart. <laughs> uh, but but it's certainly not 60 hours. I think it can be listened to in less than an hour, 40 minutes. But the, but, but the book in its entirety uh, is a mind-boggling work. And um, so those are just a few. Okay, then maybe you don't do this. Uh, if you If you... If you've never given away a book as a gift, is there one that you would? Well, the one uh, I've actually given out of the flames about Michael Servetus by Goldstein. I've given several of those away. Uh, uh, Brother uh, J.R. Enzi gave me my first copy. I'd never read it. And, uh, And I read that. And it was that was very very it grabbed me. So I've I've in turn given that book to several people. All right. Um, so now let's move on to the Premier Bible. So regarding the Premier Study Bible, what are some of the things that caused you to want to be a part of this project? Well, I'd have to say that uh, though I love all Bibles that I have ever studied. And I cut my teeth on the Thompson Chain 4th edition. In fact, that's the only Bible I really used for the first 20-plus years of my ministry. Uh, I, could, I, could go to, I could show you where stuff was on the page. I was so familiar with it. But I realized um, that I was kind of in a rut. And, and so I made myself, I weaned myself away from Thompson Chain fourth edition. When they came out with the fifth edition and fourth started getting hard to find, it made it easier for me to wean my way from it. But I found myself going to different editions, printings of the Bible with their commentaries, etc. I've enjoyed all of them. I've enjoyed other uh, versions besides King James and other paraphrases, though I always, I always start and stop with the King James, always, personally. 
But all of my studies through the various commentaries, footnotes, etc., of other Bibles always left me with a certain set of absolute frustration because there were such key points and beautiful truths that were either absolutely passed over or tweaked or twisted and and that that it was that it was that it was uh very very frustrating did you ever get so mad you scratched out the commentary no i didn't get that <laughs> <done> mad that. <laughs> but you know it's it such as uh, i tell you dake's bible yeah is he has some it's not considered a work of scholar a no. scholarship but there's no question that some of the information in dake's bible is tremendous. Yeah, he was good. You got to have a magnifying glass to read it because <laughs> it's so small. But be that as it may, like such as the issue of the Trinity, he would push that issue when there was no issue. He would he would force it and shove it in there. So all of that would be uh, a little frustrating. Well, the chance to be a part of alleviating some of that <laughs> That's great. in in a premier Bible for apostolics that that took the time to deal with themes that are so evident in Scripture and powerful, let alone some of the beauties in the, of the minutiae, if there is such a thing. Uh, just a chance to do that, I think, is very, very, very exciting. And that doesn't mean that when it's done that the market's going to be cornered on all <laughs> understanding and revelation of Scripture. <laughs> Uh, there and there's no perfect commentary. The only thing that's perfect is the Word of God itself. But that was that. I think that's the main reason is the excitement of being able to to do that and knowing the long term effect that can have in helping a lot of people oh, yeah. to, to turn on the light of some of these things. Yeah. Um, estimated costs. Well, it's I'm I'm going to say seventy eighty. Okay. Um, and maybe. Some might be in the 60s, but I, I can't promise prices. But I would say somewhere 70s, 80s, maybe. And But there's going to be also many uh, different covers that a person okay. can get. And uh, there's going to be hardback as well. So um, the, there's going to be a range, a variance of range there. Outstanding. Yes. Oh, outstanding. And do we have a completion on that? Is, are there pre-orders? Do you know anything? There's a lot of pre-orders. Okay. And... Uh, and and it actually is a tremendous blessing to do pre-orders. And so if, if someone would like to, you can go to the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship website and do pre-orders. Uh, contact the Tulsa office of the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship, and you can do pre-orders. Um, sometimes there's pre-order advertisements in the Together magazine. Okay. But uh, a person can definitely do pre-orders, and it it's going to help defray uh, the ongoing expenses of producing the Bible. So that would be very, very good. We're hoping, we had hoped that it would be done this month, here's September of 17, but that did not happen. Then we were hoping maybe by Christmas, and we, we stopped and took a breath, and we, we all decided, you know, one, two years, three years down the road, people, if there's a an error somewhere in a, in a commentary, even if, it, even if it's a misspelled word or something, that's going to get brought up. Sure. Nobody's going to pat you on the back and say, boy, that was so good you guys got it out by Christmas of 2017. They're not going to be bragging on when it actually got out. Uh, they will hopefully be happy with the end product and, uh, and that human 
mistakes in commentary was kept at a minimum. So we're thinking, hopefully, the way it's looking and what Nelson Bible uh, Company is telling us that that uh, by June or July of 2018, they should be heading out. Excellent. Yes. So then uh, if people want to do pre-orders, go to the Worldwide Pentecostal Publishing uh, website. Uh, Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship. Fellowship. Okay. And and there's there's places there that they can pre-order. And that would be of great yeah that would be a great help. Okay, It'd be a great. tremendous help. And they will take you down, give you a number because. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Yes, it's 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 like it's, a receipt. It's all there. Um, you will you will um, you'll receive documentation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it's all kept in very very good records. And the person that's running the website knows their stuff. <laughs> No and doubt. so it's not, yeah, it's not a black hole somewhere where money goes in and never comes out. No, okay. you will be covered. That's great. All right, we're coming down to the end of the podcast, and um, just a few more questions. One of them is, um, do you have any encouraging words you'd like to share, or is there a Bible verse that's been on your heart recently that you've just been meditating on that you that you might share? With? Well. I will tell you this, that there's a Bible verse that's been on my heart for going get pretty close to 20 years now. It's the single most important verse um, to me personally. When this, when the, when the uh, portent of what Jesus said in uh, John 15 and 9, it I can't tell you how it affected me, but, okay, first six words, Jesus said, as the Father hath loved me. So you have to stop right there, okay? Jesus Christ, John 3.16, is God manifest in the flesh. So this bloodless God took on a sonship. He became flesh, and now he has blood. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So Jesus said, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So this deathless God figured out a way he could taste death through Christ Jesus. This temptless God, you cannot tempt him, figured out a way whereby he could be in all points tempted. So... uh and this deathless God figured out a way whereby he could taste death. And the humanity of Jesus Christ, he was the son of David. He was the son of Mary. He was as human as you and I. But he was sinless. Therein lies the difference. He was like Adam, pre-fallen. He's the second man Adam. Adam was made in the form of him that was to come. And so... The Father that dwelleth in him that doeth the works. How deep was the love that the Spirit had for that flesh? How deep was the love for the Father to his Son, whom he fathered through Mary? How profound, how mind-boggling was the love. God, who has no need to pray, was now robed in flesh, and that flesh would pray until great drops of blood fell from his forehead, as it were. How great was that love? Jesus said, As the Father hath loved me, so 
love I thee. That verse right there has probably affected me more than any single verse. And um, it's mind-boggling in his portent. Another verse that for many years has meant so much to me is in Genesis 28, 15, and just a portion of it. God is speaking to Jacob, and we all know Jacob was a character. But he said, I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. How huge is that? That he won't leave us until he's done doing what he said he would do. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when he starts, Paul said, he which hath begun a good work in you. He's not stopping until it's finished. So the key is not, is he going to stick with us? The key is we're going to stick with him. If we stick with him, he's going to get it done. Uh And so I would just venture to say that, that of course, outside of what got us into the kingdom, this new birth, Acts 238 gospel, those verses mean more to me than, than probably anything. Well said. Two excellent pieces. Meditate on that. What goals might you have for ILC podcast ministry and what impact would you like to see it have? Well, I think the um, when I when I think about the world we live in, and even in this vast modern telecommunications world, Amos prophesied of a day that would come when God said there's going to be a famine mm. in the land, and it won't be a famine of bread or thirst for water, but there'll be a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. And so when it comes to just basic, sound, good, solid, doctrinal, beautiful, saving truth, there's, 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 there's generally worldwide, there's a famine out there. So this podcast is just a voice um, of many wonderful voices out there that are, that are proclaiming truth and hopefully knowledge and understanding about spiritual life, etc., and so I want this podcast to do its part to help bring truth and, and pertinent information, spiritual help, uh, understanding. I don't think we're going to corner the market and that when we're all dead, that wisdom will die with us. <laughs> but we want to do our part while, we, uh, while our hearts are beating. And so maybe we can, we can just help some people that have questions and um, – and and maybe just looking for a little scriptural common sense. That's all I know. <laughs> That's great. And, and it will be a lot of. I'm an avid podcast listener, and I, I do pick and choose what I. Yes. What I and so um, I like a lot of the shows I have, like this one. Uh, I like the podcasts that are somewhat like this one. Uh, last question: If podcast listeners have questions, feedback, requests, or topic ideas, uh, what would be the best way? for them to submit them? And would you be willing to do future podcasts? Uh, yes, uh, I am willing to do future podcasts. As you well know, with this podcast, it's just getting me nailed down. <laughs> but you nail me down, and I will, be, I will be happy to, and I mean that. And as for his questions, um, what is um, set up is uh, at podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. Great. And so just if you have questions that you would like answered, we can't promise right. that your question 
uh, will be answered because sometimes questions get pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, there actually is more to life than did a did Adam have a belly button <laughs> and things of that nature. But but at uh, podcast at inlandlighthouse dot com, we will answer as many questions as as we possibly can. And if not me personally, there's some some very by the mercies of God talented, uh, informed people that God has brought our way and that come by our way yeah. uh, preaching and teaching etc and so I think it's going to be a great great um, great podcast with a lot of excellent information coming forth God bless you Amen and we see that so we thank you all and we will thank you so much uh, Bishop Booker for coming on and uh, we look forward to doing more with you until Jesus comes in Jesus name God thank bless you. you Amen bless you all right. Thank you, Brother DaCosta. Thank you, Bishop, for joining us on the podcast. Once again, if you want to get a hold of us, the email is podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. You can go ahead and leave a comment, questions, and we'll try to get to them as quickly as we can. And once again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the next show.